Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Hey, caught a little grief over what I said last week. Um, you, may, you, may, you may not be aware of that, but, uh, um, you know, you want... You have to defend. You don't have to defend the gospel. Uh, you don't have to defend. You don't have to defend the Lord, but you do have to stand against things that are not right. And in our in our circles, being the church, those things that are not right are not whimsical. In that, oh, I don't like the color blue. Right? We have standards, and this is our standard our standard book, right? So, so if something is at variance with that, we just need to be able to, to take a stand and, and speak truth to those circumstances. And sometimes that doesn't always uh, go well um, because people get their feelings hurt because they think that if you disagree with them, you hate them. And I don't hate anybody. I just, I'm just, I have been commissioned as a minister of the gospel to speak the truth, whether you, you all know this, whether you like it or not, right? Uh, but when, when that type of verbiage gets uh, broadcast to the community, they go, well, he's just a bit rough. And I invite you to come and find out how rough in first person, in, in person, you know? Um, because truth has to be spoken uh, to, to what I would consider evil, things that are not right, uh, not, not just... Uh, whimsical things, but, you know, what we've been talking about with circumstance here in the town. If you're not aware with that, if you're not aware of what's going on, um, uh, get informed and then do something about it because it's one thing to know, it's quite another thing to do, right? Um, it's clear to know to do right and not do that, that's just as bad as not doing anything. So, so you've got to say something. Well, you know, I'm just not confrontive. Well, if that was the rationale of the allies on D-Day on Normandy Beach, you all be speaking German and there'd not be a Jew on the face of the earth. I'll try that again. If you don't want to speak, if you don't want to speak against things, if you don't want to act against evil, then evil persists when good men and women do nothing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to be the tip of the spear. I just need to know that you all are praying for me. So if you're not, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, write your letters, make your phone calls, be polite, uh, but make your point known. And um, that way we protect young girls uh, that shouldn't be exposed to fully biological men in the shower room. Anywhere. At your local school. <laughs> I mean, their hand, I mean, You'd be surprised. You need to get a hold of this, you know. But when an organization says, you know, we're the Young Men's Christian Association, then I feel I have a, an obligation to speak to that. Um, you can go be on the school board and you can talk, you know, you can go do whatever you want with Target and not buy your Bud Light or whatever it is that, that you know. Um, but they're, they're going to find out that we are, a, we, we may be silent, but not silent any longer. We are a majority, and we're just not going to take it anymore. And somebody needs to say something, and not with a red face and a pointed finger, but saying, you know what, this is wrong, and I'm willing to say that it's wrong, not because I hate you, but because it goes against a moral standard. Yeah? Right? All right, so enough of all that, uh, because 
what I said last week is being aired right now while I speak. Uh, so so the, the ripples of, of what has happened and what is happening is, is not over. So just, if you want to know details, um, know this, that, um, well, what did they say and how was it and what was their names and what did they do? Listen, you're just going to have to, when you're talking about a, a minor, somebody under the age of 18, was it... And people will, and I, this happens quite a lot in, in pastoral ministry, and if you've been a pastor, you realize, if you've been a lawyer, you know what's going on, been a doctor, those types of things, because you're privy to information that you can't share with other people. And so you, you say, okay, well, either I trust that lawyer, I trust that pastor, I trust that doctor, and so there are, there, are, uh, uh, there should be measures put in place. Because at the end of the day, what they'll do and I just recently shared this with someone in the hallway, at the end of the day, they could very well just say, shrug their shoulders, eh, it's the law, right? You may have heard, oh, it's the law. Well, it was the law to put Jews on trains and send them to the showers and in, in the Holocaust. It's the, just because it's legal to abort a child doesn't mean, doesn't mean I can't say it's wrong. Just because it's legal doesn't make it so. Just because the court says, oh, well, we're going to redefine what marriage is, therefore you have to abide. No, I don't have to. Why? It's because I have a standard that's higher than the Supreme Court of the United States. And I'm willing to die for that. And you know what? That really scares them. So what they have to call you then is a bigot. And they have to start yelling and screaming at you and, and diminish you somehow. You, you uncaring, you Christians should love everybody. I love them enough not to let them continue in, in, in delusion that a man can be a woman. Now, I haven't even started to preach. I have an entire sermon for you right here. But I just wanted to tell you, just wanted to tell you that your pastor is doing well. And all I'm asking is that you continue to pray for me as a speaker of truth in our community. And we'll, we'll, we'll let the chips fall where they may. That's just all, right? All right. I would ask if anybody has anything to say, but I'm not interested in having the entire front row <laughs> come up and participate in today's conversation. But... I'm more than, listen, I'm more than happy to discuss this uh, with anybody. I've had uh, very high representatives of organizations and people in the city that I have had conversations with, and uh, some of them have said, oh, Eric, you're doing the right thing, man. Turn up the heat. And you'd be surprised who says that, but you can't, don't use my name. So they're willing to put their hand in the middle of my back and go, go ahead, pastor. Go ahead, pastor. And that's fine. That's fine. At least I know they're there. I know that, and they, and they. I don't know if it all comes to whatever that they're going to say. Oh yeah, I, I was with him all along. I don't know that that's going to be. But it, it does encourage me that there are people in high-ranking places in our city that go go for it, Eric. Just just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And so I appreciate that. And then there are those that just shrug and say it's the law and 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 just go about their life and. Um, so at the end of the day, I just want people to love Jesus. At the end of the day, my, my, the gospel that I preach is that of you are a sinner and you're saved by grace and grace alone. That's, that's my mission in life is to tell people that they don't have to live in their sin. And part of sin is being deluded and, and believing untruth. 
And so I take the time last week and today to kind of stick my big toe into this situation because of the aforementioned reason, a Christian organization. It's not like, I haven't stood up here and said anything about Target or Bud Light or any of that other kind of stuff. I'm not that guy. But when we entrust our children to an organization that says they're Christian, I'm obligated to say something. And so please uh, understand that. And and I may say something again later. Who knows? Um, but it, it, uh, it's an interesting day in which we live. So praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Good worship today. I enjoyed worshiping with you this morning. That's always fun. I don't have a whole lot of time. I've got about a three-hour sermon, but um, I'll give it to you here in about 20 minutes. Is that good? Is that okay? And then I'll let you go because we got the picnic tonight at five. I have purchased six apple pies to be the pie eating contest pies. And um, I will participate and I will win. So if you would like to be second place, you can compete. If you want to be a part of the pie eating contest, see me after church and uh, we'll get you on the list. It's going to be hilarious. Okay, last week we talked about 681 liters. 681 liters of wine. Remember that? 180 gallons of wine that was made from water. Where? In Cana. And when was this? Jesus' first miracle. So I thought, okay, we're on a roll. Let's look at his second miracle. Where did his second miracle take place? It took place at Cana also. His first miracle was at Cana. Then he went, did a few things, came back to Cana again. And it all happens in John chapter 4. So I'll just read the text to you, make a few comments along the way. Ready? John chapter 4. If you have your Bible turned there, if not, we've got it on the screen. Beginning in verse 46. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Just so you are up to speed. Verse 46. And there was a certain royal official. Say royal official. That's somebody who worked for King Herod. All right, so get, get, your, get your first century goggles on and you're looking at a royal official coming to Jesus. And the thing was, his son lay sick. Interesting to know he knew it was a son, but that's, I digress. It was a son, he lay sick, and he was sick. The, the term son means he was, he was probably 10 years of age or younger. That, that's the, deli- the, the denotation of that word. He lay sick unto death, we know, in a town not far from there called Capernaum. Or Capernaum, I have a little map for you so you can get yourself acclimated. Uh, the little insert in the lower right-hand corner shows you the square box that you're looking at above. I put two red pins on the distance that this royal official traveled. The, the pin on the left is Cana, if you remember. It's just a few miles from Nazareth. That's where Jesus and the 12 disciples came from. First miracle. Now, second miracle is happening in the same town of Cana where the marriage was happening, and a little bit later he, he shows up again, and this is what's going down. But the official is coming from Capernaum, or Capernaum, which is on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. It's about 20 miles, and there's an app for everything. So you ask the app, how far can a horse travel in five hours? And it says 20, minute, or 20 miles. So it would take a royal official about five hours on horseback at kind of a, a horse gait, not running, because, you know, a horse can only... I, 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 I want to act like I know this, but I just figured it out. I just studied it. A horse can only run like two and a half, three miles a gallop. 
right? And then they have to rest. So this is, he didn't like, they make you think in the West, they gallop all day long. That's not how it goes. They gallop, they have, just like you. I mean, you can run to the buffet, but once you get there, you gotta rest for a second. Then you can, then you can run back to your table. Same thing. So here's the distance, about 20 miles. The royal official from Herod's court has come now all the way to uh, uh, Cana. Why? Verse 47. Because he had heard. Faith comes by hearing, right? He couldn't have done that unless somebody told him, hey, Jesus, this is back in Cana. You know what he did just a couple weeks ago? He turned up, he, he turned up with 681 liters of wine out of nothing, out of thin air, out of water, right? Dirty water. And so faith comes by hearing and that Jesus, he had heard that Jesus had arrived back in Galilee. That's the region that we're in. And he had come from Judea, which is to the south. And he went to him and he pleaded and begged to Jesus to come and to heal his son. So he heard, then he went. So now he's in front of Jesus. Then he begs and pleads Jesus, come back to my house. Why? Because I have a sick son and he needs to be healed. So that's how it all went down. That's always the first step in any miracle is to believe. Is to believe. He had faith that if I got to Jesus and Jesus would come back to my house, that something would happen and I believe he could heal my son. That's what he believed. So then Jesus speaks, verse 48. He says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. So what's going on here? Is he chastising them? No, he's talking to the crowd now. Remember, his first miracle was there. Uh, hey, guys, just keep it quiet. I'm just going to show it to the servants. But now he's beginning to come out and he's saying, listen, unless you, you all, if he was, if he was if he, where's Jeremy? If he's from Louisiana, he said, all y'all. All y'all, which is like all of you and then all of you, all y'all have to have signs and wonders or you won't believe. A lack of believing is what really irritated Jesus. It always saddens Jesus. When Jesus walked into the auditorium this morning by the spirit of God, this morning he was here. And if you were not worshiping in faith, you're not sitting here in active faith saying, God, I want to hear from you today. That displeases the Lord. The thing that displeases God is a lack of faith. Time and time again in the scripture, when God, when Jesus, God in the flesh, got sideways, oftentimes, come on, man, so, oh, you of little faith, can't you just believe, just believe? And that's, he got a little ticked, and so he tells him that. Verse 49, so the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. The royal official comes to Jesus why? Because he thinks, he believes that Jesus can perform a miracle. He does believe that Jesus can, can perform a miracle. I said he believes Jesus can perform a miracle. I don't believe that he believes that Jesus is the Messiah. You know why? Because he addresses Jesus as sir. He had heard that Jesus could do water to wine. He had heard about that. Now he's back in the room. Hey, there's a miracle worker there. I need a miracle. I don't care who he is. It can be a witch. It could be a tarot card reader. It could be whatever. I just need this. And desperate people do desperate things. So he didn't believe, I don't believe he thought that Jesus was the Messiah. He's just a very wealthy to do leader that said, I have a son who's about to die. I'm going to do, hello parents, I'm going to do whatever it takes to see that my child gets well. Yes? So he said, sir, again, he's a non-believer. He only believes, he only believes in what Jesus can do in, in, in uh, this circumstance. So get ready. Here it comes. Play close attention. Verse 50. Jesus replied seven words. 
You may go, your son will live. Wow, that's all it took. Not a, not a hanky, didn't take oil, didn't take anybody getting slain in the spirit, didn't take anybody talking in tongues, didn't take any of that. I'm not against any of those things. I'm just telling you, when Jesus gives a better word, I don't care what the doctor says, I don't care what the lawyer says. I don't care what anybody else, I, and you could, you could say the same, I don't care what you say. I care what, I care what the word has to say, and that's what I want to believe because I stake my life on that. So he says, he says, you may go, your son will live. And then the second half of that, the man took Jesus. Oh, there it is. It took Jesus, he took Jesus at his word and he what? He believed, here's the faith. He believed now that it would happen. He came in faith. He was given a word. He turned around and went the other direction with the same level of faith as he had before. Why? Because he's simply doing what he was told to do. He had faith. Then he had to do, and watch, he had to add something to his faith. What's it called? Say obedience. Look really smart. Obedience. He had to do something. He had to do something that lined up with what he was believing. And so Jesus says, this is what you should do. He didn't question it. Why? He's a man of authority. Turns and walks away, and he starts riding back to his house. Love it. Absolutely love it. He's on his way. He's on his way. Verse 50, 51. He was still on his way. He was still on his way. His servants met him and told him the news that the boy was living. He was on his way. He was, while, listen to me, while he was walking in obedience... I don't know what level of faith he had. Okay, that's what Jesus said. Okay, I'm going to go back and see it. And I'm, and I'm going to walk in. There are things that you need to be obedient to do that you do not yet see the miracle you're believing. And so you're getting, you're slowing down and it's, it's desert heat. And maybe he was riding a horse, maybe he was walking. Either way, he was still on his way. He was walking, riding in obedience. And then the miracle, the news of the miracle came. You've got to be on your way. You've got to be about doing what Jesus had told you to do. You just can't say, okay, well, if it's really, no, you must come. Please do not try to uh, command Jesus. So he was on his way. His servants met him with the news that the boy was living. The boy was alive. He was doing well. He's amazed. I mean, you would be, right? Are you in the dad's shoes? I'm in the dad's shoes. I need my son healed. Jesus says, go, your son's healed. Turn, go. I'm headed back, and I get, I get news. This is another testament to the fact that I don't believe that he believed in who Jesus was. He was just looking for the miracle because the official still didn't, wasn't convinced it was Jesus that brought the healing. How do I know? Because he wants to verify when this all went down. Look at the next verse. So what did he do? He got the news that his son was healed. So then he inquired as to the time, verse 52, when his son got better. I want to see if this really was the Jesus miracle or just a coincidence. So guys, you tell me my son's better. When did he get better? Well, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Sunrise, 6 a.m., days begin and end, sunrise, sunset, in the Jewish 
tradition. So the day uh, begins at uh, sundown, long story. So when you, when you start at six, the seventh hour is going to be 1 p.m. So they basically said, hey, at one o'clock yesterday, boom, it wasn't gradual. All of a sudden, bam, the fever broke. Just like that. Just like my daughter laying in the emergency room, laying in ICU at St. John's with unknown infection in her throat, swelled shut, intubated, couldn't breathe. Doctors didn't know. But boom, the next morning, immediately was sitting up and having ice cream and ready to go home. How did that happen? Except for in the middle of the night, the Lord woke up a missionary friend of ours by the name of Jenny Munson and started praying for Hannah in the middle of the night. The next morning, she called us and said, what's going on with Hannah? I was disturbed in the middle of the night. I woke up at one o'clock in the morning or whatever specific time it was and she says I just started praying for Hannah and then immediately Hannah sat up I'm swelling disappears and she goes home the doctor had no other reason to, other than to say I guess it's a miracle so when he inquired they said I left about one o'clock it was sudden and immediate here's the issue time and space are never the issue with Jesus when we pray here God moves there I can pray for somebody that's in Iraq. I can pray for somebody that's in Taiwan. And it's just as good as me being right in front of them. Because the same Jesus is right here with me is right there with them. Time and space are not an issue with Jesus. So verse 53, then the father realized, uh-oh, he's figured it out. He realized that this was the exact time that Jesus had said to him those seven words. So the result of that was the entire household believed. He confirmed the miracle. Aha, it was Jesus. And then what happened was his entire household all believed. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that your belief doesn't affect your family. When you take a stand for your children, they know you're taking a stand for them. When you take the heat for your kid, when you, when, for your spouse, for whatever's going on in your home, if it's your husband or your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your faith is a testimony to them. And when you believe, that affects them too. That him and his entire household, God said. They didn't see it, but they saw dad's reaction to what had happened. They go, wow, we're all gonna believe. And verse 54 it finishes up with the, the identification that this was the second miracle that Jesus had performed having come from Judea in Galilee. I'm just gonna point out one very significant thing to you that I don't want you to miss. It's from verse 53. So the father realized uh, your son will live and so his whole household believed. Now watch this. He believed. It says he believed. That's what the verse just said, that now he believed. Wait a second. At the beginning of the story, it said he believed. But now he believed. How did he believe enough to go ask for the miracle? And then at the end of the story, it says, and then he believed. Wait a second. It said at the, at the end, why would he be? He believed. That's why he got on his horse from Capernaum and, ran, and, and went all the way to Canaan. Because he believed that Jesus could heal his son. But then after it came to pass says he believed. How's that possible? Well, I believe he believed what Jesus could do. At the beginning, he believed what Jesus could do. That's why he went. But at the end, he believed who Jesus was. He didn't have to go. 
He didn't have to lay hands. He didn't have to do anything. He just said those seven words, go, your son is healed. So he began in a belief in what, he began in a belief in what Jesus could do. He ended with a belief in who Jesus was. Do you hear the difference in that? Okay, what's more important? Believing Jesus resurrected and came back to life, that's important. What's more important? Believing that Jesus resurrected and came back to life or believing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Those are two totally different statements. What's more important, believing that he resurrected and came back to life or believing that he is the resurrection and the life? Eric, you're parsing words. You're down in theological weeds. No, I'm right where you live, ladies and gentlemen, of the jury. Listen to me clearly. The devil believes that Jesus was resurrected and came back to life. The devil believes that Jesus was resurrected and came back to life. He saw it with his own eyes. So what's more important? It's believing that he is the resurrection. Resurrection. Uh, now, now this may be a little. I've said this before about God, but it's the same for Jesus. God, please. I, I, I sprung this on my sister yesterday. and She kind of gave me the, and she's been a pastor. So she kind of tilted her head at me. But I think she had to agree with me because I had her arm way up behind her back when I, when I, when I convinced her. Listen. It's not, it's not heresy, it's just to prove a point. God is not alive. God is not alive. God is life. If I say he's alive, that means that life is holding him. But life doesn't hold God. God holds life. He is the resurrection. He is life. See what I mean? This is the difference in belief. Oh, he, oh, he, res oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, you're going to talk with people all day long. They, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is a resurrection. I believe, I believe Jesus resurrected. You know, you can say the Apostles' Creed all day long, but do you believe he is the resurrection? Is he life itself? Yes, and that's what this Roman official figured out. Jesus resurrected? Yes, but he is the resurrection. So, here it is. He started out like we all do. This royal official started out like we all do. What is that? Show me. Show me. Seeing is believing. believing. Desperate father, I just need help. I, I heard you can help. I'm here. So then Jesus turns the table on him in the second miracle. He says, I'm not going to go to your house. That would irritate me, particularly if I rode on a horse all day long to get there, and I am somebody, I'm a Roman official. Who are you? You're the son of a carpenter. Look how ugly your shoes are. You got dirt under your fingernails. You're gonna do what I tell you to do. Nobody listened, and he did. He had faith and he obeyed. He got back on his horse, turned back around. So Jesus said, I'm not going to your house today so you can see a miracle, and he flipped the script. Seeing is believing became believing is seeing. Please understand that. This is how we live. We can't go through life, well, show me, show me, show me, and I'm not gonna believe it until I see it. No, you believe it first, then you have an understanding. 
I mean, isn't that how you got saved when you gave your life to the Lord? They said, uh, come, come to Jesus, come to him. There's this door in the spirit realm. Come on in, come on in, get saved, give your life to Jesus, whosoever, you know, come on in, come on in. And then once you, st- by faith, you're obedient and you move on the faith, you step into the realm of the spirit and you say, yes, he is more than resurrected, he is the resurrection. He is more than alive, he is life itself. And then you, th- then on this side, on this side of the, whatever. I'm thinking of something like the matrix or something in my mind. I'm like red pill, blue pill or something. And you step over and you go, oh, I get it now. I have an understanding. Why? Because I first believed. I didn't see it. I did not see this life 35 years ago when I gave my heart to the Lord, right? None of you did. So you start with what? Believing, then you see. This show me stuff, we've got to, we've got to make sure that uh, we don't fall into the trap of the Roman official here. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. Certain of what we don't see. It's not what Jesus can do. It's not what Jesus has done. It's who he is. Yes, it's important what Jesus can do. That's why the Roman soldier, that's why the royal official got on his horse and rode to see Jesus because of what he could do. Don't come, listen, don't come to Jesus for what he can do. Come to Jesus for who he is. And then you'll get all that. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all all that other stuff. That's why we believe. That's why we obey. We obey the word of the Lord. Faith is not what you feel. It's what you do. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. Seven words. And the man simply took Jesus at his word. I don't know how the man felt, but feelings had nothing to do with it. What did Jesus say? Do that. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. My my five-year-old, how old's Liberty? The five-year-old granddaughter this morning. She She didn't feel like coming to me when I said, come here. She looked at me and she said, no during prayer time this morning, during communion. I said, oh no, 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 that's not how this goes. So I snatched her up and we went outside and we had a little conversation about it. You do what the Father asks you to do. Hello, Christians. We have a heavenly Father. I love those first two hymns today. It's nice to sing truth from 350 years ago. You know, that's just good sometimes. Does my heart good. So here's the application We move from miracle to wine, water to wine, right? What is that? That's nature, that's elements, that's things, that's circumstance. God, I need you to do this. God, I need a new job. God, I need some money. God, I I, I need some food. God, I need some stuff. That's water to wine stuff. That's things. That's Jesus' power to do that. He just, boom, he just does it. That's power. And those are awesome times. But what he does, that's in his first miracle. But what he does in his second miracle, same place, is something else. He brings it up to a whole nother level. He says, we're not talking about water to wine. We're not talking about your job and your money and all these things that, got, that I can just, that's, that's the power that I have. But let me talk, let me, in my second miracle, let me demonstrate to you something that's gonna blow your mind. It's called my authority. She's healed, go. <laughs> what? What? A policeman has power and authority, right? The power is the weapon. Stop. 
That's power. Okay. But he doesn't, but he also has authority. He just goes, stop. And you stop. I would much rather just stop because the Lord tells me to stop. I'm not looking to have the Lord draw down a 357 on me and say, Eric, you stupid, stupid lump of human. Stop that. Right? You will either fall, the gospel says, you'll either fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. Those are your choices. I choose to fall on the rock, to be obedient to the word of the Lord, regardless of what anybody else has to say, you must do, you must be what the Lord has called you to do and to be, regardless of who says that, that's not really a smart thing for you to do. I didn't ask your opinion whether it was a smart thing to do or not. I do not, I do not live my life by, by, the, by, by the winds of a, a mm, yeah. okay, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I got to go. So the biggie is he, he doesn't need to be physically present. You may go. That's authority. Not just power, but his authority. And the entire miracle is an invitation to us to do what? To believe and obey. I don't know why you came here today. Maybe you needed a miracle. Maybe you believe Jesus resurrected and he is the life. But do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? That's where you have to go to. New Testament believer. Feeding 5,000, walking on water, casting your net to the other side, 10 lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Those are the miracles. We may talk about them some more in the future. But the whole story began with a Roman official just believing that Jesus could heal his son. And the story ends when seeing is believing turns to believing is seen. So here's my final thought. Jesus gives this gift of healing. To whom? An unconverted, not yet converted, Roman official, Roman official, who he has never met, who only came to get something from him, the audacity, so that he would, hey, you come to my house and then perform a miracle. Can you imagine the wedgie Jesus could have had over that whole situation? Right? Who, I mean, he's, he's a non-believer. He's coming here. He's demanding things of me. He's asking things of me. Come to my house, heal my son. I'm like a dog and pony show. Do what I tell you to do. Jesus says, seen isn't believing. Believing is seen. Go. Your son is healed. And he could have fought it. He could have had a bad attitude. And he could have just stayed there. But he didn't. He did. He obeyed. He added, obe he added obedience to his faith. He did what the Lord told him to do. These are the elements for your miracle. I don't care if you're here today and you're a witch or a warlock and you need healing in your body. God, by his grace, could potentially heal you today. I believe he wants to heal you today. You don't even love him. You came here because you got ill intent or you don't, you don't want to be here. You couldn't, we, you have no, but you, well, Jesus could, and you, and you come forward in just a few minutes in the, in the altar and have the prayer team pray for you. Boom. You could potentially, why? Because of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, unmerited favor, just because he's good. Just because he's good. You don't come to get healed. You don't come and get your miracle based on your merit any more than I do. Well, of course, you know, the Lord will heal Billy Graham. No, I think he died. 
I think Billy Graham is six feet in the ground. I think Billy Graham's a great guy, but we're all going to die. So there, put that in your pipe and smoke it. How does that fit for you theologically? How about this? Lazarus died again. Right? Think about it. You have to add some obedience to your faith. So when God says, listen, now's the time to do this, do that, then just do it and leave the consequences to the Lord. His grace. He decided to heal the boy because of his grace, a free gift. Because Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe, if you believe, you will receive. Stand up with me today, would you please? If you need a miracle today, today is your day for a miracle. In your body, in your family, in your home, in your circumstance. Well, I'm not good enough. You don't have to be good enough. This is a Roman soldier. Who just maybe on the outside chance that Jesus, who turned water to wine, might be able to do something to help his son. So if you need a miracle, you can come to these altars today. You can step out. Prayer teams, come on down. We're here to pray for you. Every week, we're here to pray for you. So if you need a miracle, boom, just step out, just like that. And we'll pray for you. Not a counseling session. They're going to say, what can we pray for you for? You're going to say, I need a miracle. I need la, 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 la. And then they'll pray for you. And when they pray here, God can move there. In your home, in your job, at your family, whatever's going on. It's, it, it, it's just that simple. We make, it too, we make it too hard. God loves you. He really, really does. And so, Father, today we come because we're people that are broken but know the healer. And this morning, Lord, as people come to this altar to pray and have that miracle come to pass in their life, Lord, let it be so. Not for any other reason but because of your graciousness, your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for giving us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to speak truth everywhere we go. To be people of honor and integrity, trusting you, loving you, putting you first in our homes. That our faith might affect our family, our children and grandchildren. God, that you would be lifted up over this city. That, God, you'd be lifted up over this church and over our lives. For your glory today, God, we put these things into your hands and thank you for your patience with us that when we stumble and fall, you're there to pick us up and to help us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. For how long? Ever and ever. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.